Father, it's been a, it's been a rich and a, and a full time of, of praising and praying and just finding out a little bit about what you're doing in places like Denmark. And uh, pray now that you'll just bring our focus and our attention to your word, help us to be attentive, help us to hear what you say, speak to our hearts. Change us, we ask. In Jesus' name, amen. Who am I? Part four, the truth shall set you free. The truth shall set you free. Now, I think it is probably safe to say that when it comes to the word freedom, it's a little bit like this. It's a little bit like going to the dentist with a hole in your tooth. You get into the chair, the dentist pokes in there, and when he hits that little hole, you wince and you feel rather uncomfortable. That's how it feels with the word freedom. It is a big word. It is a big issue. If you've been here over the last uh, number of weeks, who am I? Part one, I am the worst of sinners. Who am I? Part two, I am pardoned, forgiven, and mercied. Who am I? Part three, which was last week, I am chosen. And this morning, who am I? Part four, I am free. I am free. So the question, the big question that I want to ask you this morning is this, are you free? Are you free? And I can see Donna's already saying yes. We'll check that out as we go through. Now, when it comes to democratic uh, countries, uh, human freedom is considered a basic human right, right? So in places like Australia, there are some of the freedoms that we enjoy. There's a freedom of speech, a freedom of association, a freedom of assembly, a freedom of religion, and there is also the freedom of movement. And, and when it comes to, to human freedom, we normally think about it within political freedom, and therefore there are, there are political slaveries that go with that. But in addition to political slaveries, uh, we've got a number of other uh, different slaveries in the form of human trafficking. There's a work slavery. You can have a financial debt bondage slavery. There's relational slavery of various kinds, and there is addiction slavery of various kinds. I, uh, my, my personal reading just last couple of weeks, uh, a verse that has really grabbed my attention and uh, is worth pondering much. Uh, in the context of false teachers, 2 Peter 2, they promise freedom while they themselves are slaves of depravity. For people are slaves to whatever has mastered them. What a great verse. Wow. People are slaves to whatever has mastered them. And then you've got Jesus coming along in John 8.32 and saying, Then you will know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Now when you look at John 8.32, you'll notice that truth and freedom go together. Can you see that? There's truth and there's freedom. But they don't always go together, do they? I don't know if you know this. 
Here, uh, the, the, the slogan uh, for the, uh, the CIA, the Central Intelligence Agency of America, their slogan, and their picture is that, and that's the verse that they've put on their emblem. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And we know that the CIA is a very truthful organization, don't we? So we think about this. We, we, we then might ask ourselves the question, what sort of freedoms are worth fighting for? What sort of freedoms would you fight for? And where's the line in the sand? Where, where, where would you draw the line in terms of what you would, you would fight for? You have someone like this. William Wilberforce, as you know, is a Christian who fought and spent most of his political life fighting for the abolition of the slave trade. If you come from my part of the world, Nelson Mandela, in the name of freedom, spent 27 years in prison. When looking into the archives of Australia a little bit, now you can't probably really see the writing uh, on, on the banners, but that picture was taken in 1965 where there were Australians that were protesting on behalf of Aboriginals in the name of freedom. What would you fight for? Where would you draw the line? I'm going to show you a remarkable little insight, and this just to get you, get you thinking. In the book of Esther, uh, there's just an incredible little insight here. And I, I hope that you know the story of Esther. Uh, Esther, uh, the, the Jews are, are in Babylon. They're, they're in exile. They're under King Xerxes. And as you know, the story of, of Esther, and she became, she became the queen. And there was this wicked man named Haman who, who hated a guy called Mordecai. And because of that, he wanted to annihilate and wipe out on the Jews. And he made a plan that that would happen on a particular day where all the Jews would be massacred uh, in the Babylonian uh, Empire. And so Queen Esther has to go before the king and she has to plead for the lives of the Jews. And here's what she says. And listen for the line in the sand. Esther 7 verse 3, Then Queen Esther answered, If I have found favor with you, your majesty, King Xerxes, and if it pleases you, grant my life, this is my petition, and spare my people, this is my request. For I and my people have been sold to be destroyed, killed, and annihilated. And here comes the line. If we had been merely sold as male and female slaves, I would have kept quiet. But no such because no such distress would justify disturbing the king. Where was her line in the sand for fighting for freedom? If, if, if the Jews had been further sold into slavery, she would have kept quiet. But because there was a murderous plot against the Jews, she stood up and she risked her own life. Where is the Christian line in fighting for freedom in the COVID situation? I will leave you to sort that one out before the Lord. Because what the Lord Jesus Christ does in John chapter 8 is he puts his finger on a freedom that we need to be concerned about. He puts his finger on a freedom that we uh, must consider really matters. He puts his finger on a freedom that has eternal consequences. If I put it this way, Jesus puts his finger on a freedom that we should strive for, that we should fight for, that we should even die for, if I may use such language this morning. Let me give you five headings 
as we go through the context of freedom. And if you've got your Bible in front of you, I want you to see this because it's very exciting when you see verses in context. And this, this verse that the truth shall set you free has got a very important context. And the truth shall set you free. So if you've got your Bible, have a look at verse 31, which is a context. To the Jews who had believed in him. To the Jews that believed, the truth shall set you free. If you back up just a little bit further into verse 30, even as he spoke, many believed in him. So what you've got here, here's the context. You've got these believing Jews that have come to Jesus. They've put their faith in Jesus. And he says, to you, the truth shall set you free. Now watch the remarkable context explode somewhat. As we go down, same passage to verse 44. The conversation continues. By the time we get to verse 44, he says to these believing Jews, you belong to your father, the devil. Then you go down to verse 48. You've got these believing Jews calling Jesus a Samaritan and he's demon-possessed. And then by the time we finish the passage, we didn't read down to that part, you've got these believing Jews that are now picking up stones and they are ready to kill Jesus. Do you see the context? Jesus is speaking to Jews who claim to believe in Jesus, but it's not a true saving faith. This is not a real faith. It's a spurious faith. It's a, it's a superficial faith. They, 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 they believe, and by the time Jesus has finished with them, they're ready to pick up stones and kill him. And it's not the first time we've seen this in the Gospel of John. So if you flick back to uh, John 6, verse 66, it says, From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. You've got believing Jews wanting to stone Jesus. You've got believing disciples that turn their back and no longer follow Christ. Do you see it? You see these Jews, these disciples, they've got a faith that is false. They've got a faith that is spurious. They've got a faith that is superficial. They've got a faith that is not lasting. It's something that doesn't hold. It's a faith that doesn't save you. In other words, they claim to believe in Jesus, but the truth has not yet set them free. And here's the question I want you to ponder for yourself this morning. What kind of faith do you have? I would expect that every single one of you sitting here this morning would say, I believe in Jesus. There may be the odd one or two of you here that don't say that. Most of you say, I believe in you. Most of you here have a faith in Christ. But what kind of faith is it? Is it false? Is it superficial? Is it shallow? Or is it lasting? Or is it real? And that's why I hope that you'll be able to know that before the time that I'm finished. There are lots of people that believe in Jesus for all sorts of reasons. Some people are Christians because they believe in Christ because they grew up in a Christian home. They had Christian parents. They got Christian friends. We might call that the go with the flow faith. You've got people that believe in Jesus for all sorts of personal enrichment and gain. You might call it the faith for funds faith. 
Some people like the Jews, they believed in Jesus because they saw Jesus as the one that was going to, to free them from the slavery of the Romans. We might call it the faithful freedom faith. And many Jews believed in Jesus because he fed them bread and fish. Maybe we call that the faith for food faith. There are all sorts of reasons why people believe in Jesus. And I want you to understand something critical. The reason this faith does not hold, the reason why this faith does not last, the reason why this faith, why people walk away from Jesus is because they come to Jesus for the wrong thing. They come to Jesus, you might put it this way, they come to him for the wrong kind of freedom. And you see, and if you come to Jesus with the wrong kind of expectation or the wrong kind of freedom, if you come to Jesus for the wrong type of thing, when you don't get that thing, when that expectation is not met, you're going to fall away. Let me put it another way. When you've got a false faith, a spurious faith, a shallow faith, a faith that doesn't last, a faith that will end up walking away, here's what happens. When the world and the devil and the flesh pull hard enough on that faith, it will fail. The world, the devil, and the flesh will pull hard. And it folds, and you walk away. Jesus put it like this in Matthew 13. He said, the seed falling on rotted ground refers to someone hears the word and at once receives it with joy. There's a type of faith. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone hears the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, choke the word, making it unfruitful. When the world, the devil, and the flesh pull hard enough on superficial faith, it will not hold. Why? Because the soul is still shackled. It is still chained. It is still stuck. If you come to Jesus for the wrong kind of freedom, you're still a slave. And put it this way, that slavery will suck you back in sooner or later. And I hope that helps you to understand for you that if you know uh, family and uh, well, you've got family and friends and people that you know who once say they believed and now they no longer do, what's happened? They had a superficial faith of some sort. And that faith has given way to pressure, will, devil, flesh, whatever it might be. Let me give you another type of faith that is false. It's fleeting. It's superficial. Credible verse in John 12, 42. Yet at the same time, look at this. Yet at the same time, many among the leaders believed. The leaders believed. But because of the Pharisees, they would not openly acknowledge their faith for fear they would be put out of the synagogue. There is faith, right? They believe, but they are afraid. And then have a look at this in Mark 8, 38. Anyone who's ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his Father's glory and with the holy angels. A shallow, superficial, spurious kind of faith is not willing to openly confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and King. 
There's the context of this freedom. Let's go to our second heading, the crux. What, 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 what is this freedom that Jesus is talking about? And you get it fairly straightforward in John 8, 34. Jesus replied, very truly, I tell you, anyone who sins is a slave to sin. There's the knuckle. There's the crux. There it is. Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. This is the slavery from which Jesus came to set us free. If you sin, you are enslaved. If you, if, you, if you sin, you are not free. If you sin, then sin is your master. And unless we are unshackled, unless we are unstuck, unless we are unchained, Unless we are set free from the slavery to sin, have a look what Jesus says in John chapter 8, verse 21. He says, I am going away. You will look for me and you will do what? You will die in your sin. You will die. And he says the same thing, backed up into that passage, John 8, verse 24. I told you that you would die in your sins. To die in sin means to die in the slavery of sin. It means to die in the slavery of sin and then to face the judgment of God. You know, most of you, well, a lot of you will still be working and you know that you go to work and you get wages, you get work and your, and your master will pay you, he'll give you wages. What does your sin master pay you? For the wages of sin is... Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Every person sins. So every person is a slave to sin. And therefore the wages for every single person is death and hell. And, and, and if I can put it just a bit more starkly, because we are conceived with a sinful nature, we are actually born slaves to sin. We are born slaves to sin. A person by the name of P.S. Brown said this, quote, I live for the dream that my children will be born free, that they will be what they like. You know, it is a wonderful, wonderful thing for you to have children and have them being born in a country, a free country like Australia. We are not born free. Our children are not born free no matter where they're born. We are born slaves to sin because we have sinful natures that are naturally wired to sin. And it's just something the Jewish believers could not get through their head. Look how they answer Jesus. We're Abraham's descendants. We've never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? Not only did they not understand slavery to sin, but they'd somehow conveniently forgotten they were actually slaves under the Roman government as Jesus spoke. And Jesus says to them in verse 35, same passage. This is very important. He says, now a slave has no permanent place in the family 
but a son belongs to it forever. Do you see what you're saying? No slave to sin is a child of God. No slave to sin is in the kingdom of God. No slave to sin is a son or daughter of the living God. If you've uh, followed the news recently, again, this is my part of the world. Uh, Desmond Tudu, the Archbishop in South Africa, he recently died, as you may know, and he will ever, ever be revered as a peaceful freedom fighter in South Africa. Now, I can honestly say to this morning, I do not know whether this man had a genuine saving faith. Here's one of his most famous comments, and I'll quote. Every human being is precious. We are all, all of us, part of God's family. Yes, we are all made in the image of God. But no sinner in and of themselves is a child of God. No slave to sin has a place in God's family. That's the crux. That's the heart. That's the knuckle. It is a freedom from the slavery to sin. It is a freedom both from its penalty and a freedom from its power. So let's have a look at the third heading, which is the cause. In other words, how, how, do we, how, do we get, how do we get this freedom? If you're looking at the passage, it comes to you straight up in John 8, 36. If the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Back in verse 32, it was the what? It was the truth that will set you free. So if the Son sets you free... Who is the Son? He is the truth. Or who is the truth? He is the Son. It is the Son. The truth is the Son. And the Son, it's Jesus that will set you free. I think uh, Estelle was stealing my sermon. She was quoting all my verses. Um, John 14, verse 6, I am the way and the truth and the life. I am the way and I am the truth. I am the one that will set you free. John 1.14, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. That's an extraordinary thing, isn't it? There was only one person ever born into this world that was not a slave to sin. Do you know who that was? There was one person, just one. Do you know who he was? It was Jesus, wasn't it? He was the only person born into this world that was not a slave to sin. He had no sin nature. He could not sin. He committed no sin. He was the only true son of the Father that came to make us what? Children of the Father. Let me put it to you this way. You want the greatest freedom fighter in all the world. Who was it? Jesus Christ, who came to set the what? The captives free. That's 
And now we start to understand something of Luke 4.18 when Jesus is standing in the synagogue and he says, he says, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind to set the oppressed free. So when Jesus says, come to me in Mark, um, Matthew 11.28, he says, come to me all you who are who are, who, are, who are burdened and all those that, 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 are, that are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Do you see what Jesus is saying? Come, are you, are, do, 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 do you see how stuck you are? Do you see how chained you are? Can you see your slavery? Can you see how it weighs you down? Can you see that you can do nothing about it? Can you see that you cannot unslave yourself? Come, you're feeling that weight, that, 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 that burden? I will break the chains. I will set you free. I will unchain your heart. You see, to come to, ultimately to come to Christ is to see yourself as a slave to sin. It is to see yourself in the bondage to the wages of sin, which is death and hell. It is to come to Jesus knowing you are chained and shackled, that you have a sinful nature from which you can do nothing but sin. And to know that Christ was chained to that cross to unchain your heart from the slavery of sin and death. Um, Paul put it like this in, in 2 Corinthians 5, 21. He said, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. Christ died a sinner's slavery death. Christ was treated as if he was a sin slave. Though he had no sin, he was treated as one that was enslaved to sin and punished for our slavery. But it doesn't end there. It doesn't end there. So let's have a look at our fourth heading, the continuation of freedom. The continuation of if you've got your Bible, I want you to look at verse 31. I'm going to give it to you in the, uh, in the New American Standard because it's just slightly different, a little bit better, slightly better translation in this verse on the NIV. And look what Jesus says. Remember, he's speaking to Jews that have believed in him. If you what? If you continue in my word, then you are truly my disciples. If you continue in my word, then you are truly my disciples. What does Jesus mean? To be set free from the slavery of sin means to believe in the one who died to set you free. But then you have to continue in that freedom. And what does Jesus mean? He says, you, 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 you come to me, you believe in me, I enchain your heart, I unshackle you, I set you free. But then, then you've got to continue in my word. You've got to continue to walk in the freedom that my word lays out. Have a look at it this way. John 14, 
little bit later in, in the gospel, Jesus says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate, a helper to help you and, and be with you forever. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him or knows him, but you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. So here's how it works. When you come to Jesus and you put your faith in him and he unchains you and he, and, and he enslaves you it, it, to, 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 your, to your sin, he then puts his spirit in you and it's the power of the spirit in you that will lead you in the freedom of God's word. In other words, you, you don't get set free from being a slave and then carry on living like a slave. Romans, uh, Romans 6.22. But now you've been set free from sin and have become slaves to God. And the benefit you reap leads to holiness and the result is eternal life. If, you, if you've been set free from the slavery to sin, you're now a slave to God. You're now a slave to Christ. And what that means is that the penalty of sin is done and the power of sin has been broken over your life. As Estelle was saying, there will always continue to be the presence of sin, but it's not going to dominate you. Because as a spirit-filled slave of Christ, you're going to be growing in the freedom of the Word of God. When you come to Christ, He sets you free, both from its penalty and from its power to dominate. So that by the Spirit, you are now able to honor, please, and obey the Lord. A true saving faith is not a faith that merely believes in Jesus, but one that continues to follow Jesus in his word. If you continue in my word, only then are you truly my disciple. So let me give you some contemplations, a couple of things to think about. Are you a slave to sin or a slave to Christ this morning? Who are you? Who are you? A slave to sin, a slave to Christ. If the Son has set you free, you will be free indeed. Who are you? Are you walking in that freedom? Are you walking in the Word of God? Nelson Mandela's uh, biography was called The Long Walk to Freedom. The Long Walk to Freedom. 27 years in prison. Fairly apt description for the Christian life. It's a long walk. 
to freedom. We come to Christ, we are set free, and then we walk in that freedom. And, and, and it's, a, it's a long walk. It, it, we, we might say it, it's, it's the marathon. It ain't the sprint. It ain't the dash. It's, it's very, very difficult along the way because the presence of sin is still there. And as we walk in this freedom, the world and the devil and the flesh, it's all coming at us. But our faith will hold because we have the Spirit and we have been set free. Hebrews puts it like this. You need to persevere so that when you've done the will of God, you will receive what He has promised. For in just a little while, He who is coming will come and will not delay. But my righteous one will live by faith and I take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back. But we are not, but we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have faith and are saved. And my final question Are you fighting for freedom? When it comes to fighting for human freedom in terms of Christianity, there isn't a one-size-fits-all. I truly believe there are certain human freedoms that we should fight for. But what the Lord does is He, he gives different Christians different passions, different levels of passion in these different areas for them to fight where they need to fight. In other words, when it comes to this human freedom stuff, as Christians, we, we are going to draw the lines in different places. In COVID, we'll draw the lines in different places, and that's okay. But if you want to draw a line in the sand, it's this. Every single human being that has not been set free from the slavery of sin by the Son of God will die in their sin and go to hell. If you want to draw the line in the sand, draw it there. You want a hill to die on, you die there. You want a theological place to stand and put your feet on, it's there. If the sun sets you free, you are free indeed or you die in your sin. And if this government, if this government were ever to turn around and say to us that we can not preach the gospel, that we cannot preach the freedom that comes in Christ and Christ alone, we will not obey. We will defy. That's where we stand. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And if the Son sets you free, you'll be free indeed. Let's have the, uh, let's have the music team.